when Eric, when you said Bobby Knight was like, if a if one of us was expected to coach a college basketball team, this is how we'd react. I think <laughs> this. If someone said, "Hey, Jake, you're going to go be in the booth on Monday Night Football," this is how I would do it. And he's always got all these mistakes. He says things like he's always putting his foot in his mouth. Dad bod, dad bod, dad bod. Hey, folks! Welcome to this episode of Dad Bod History. We're going to do another episode of Refacing Our Currency. I'm Jake. I'm Eric. And back returning with us for a second time in a row is special guest Cameron Lehman. How are you doing, Cameron? Very good. Thanks for having me again. We're happy to have you, man. Uh, so what we're going to do th- tonight is uh, a little bit different. We're going to do another episode of Refacing Our Currency. Uh, but the subject matter is a little bit different. Um, what we're going to talk about today is famous sports personalities. So if you could replace... All those boring old presidents and uh, high government officials with famous sports personalities throughout American history. Who would you replace them with? Um, so the rules are: you can't use any athletes, and you can't use any commissioners of any of the major sport leagues. Uh, but that leaves pretty much everything else open. So commentators, you know, because there's so many people left after coaches, you remove all the athletes. I guess <laughs> <laughs> commentators, coaches. Um, you know, Tom Brady's trainer for the TB12 system, that guy, whoever he is. Uh, any any other kind of non You can have an athlete if they're known for something outside of being the yeah. athlete, right? So okay. kind of, yeah, like if they were, if because so many of these commentators played ball, um, but they aren't really known for their actual or darts. career. Or darts. We have a lot of darts commentators that you're going to hear about. Old Swizzlefinger Smith and... Uh, Danny Two-Step. It's going to be really exciting stuff. Who could forget? Seeing yeah. you, Johnny, on the spot with making up names for dart <laughs> <Yeah>. players. <laughs> dart throwers is great. I wish Josh was on because he would he would actually know. Does some he people. know them all? Of course yeah. he does. Um, oh, he, let's get him on here. Yeah. Yeah, if you want a bitter Irishman talking at us for 35 minutes, then Josh is exactly what <laughs> who, we need. Who doesn't want that? He's Welsh, <laughs> isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the that's the kind of premise. Again, we're going to do it with. Um, if you forgot what the currency was from last episode, the one, two, five, <laughs> ten, twenty, fifty, and hundred. And I think again, you are forgot we the seventeen dollar bill. Well, that hasn't come out yet. Uh, so, without further ado, um, let's get started. Do you want to start with the two or end with the two, Eric? I I kind of feel we should end with it just because it's like the the wild card. It's as you okay. put the Munson. The months of money, the peanut allergy of our currency. Yeah. Um, all right, so what we'll end with the two. Grandma has then, in her wallet. <laughs> and uh, you know what, then? Let's just go from one to 100, but we'll save the two for last then. As kind really? Of our, yeah. All right, all right. Does that work for you? I don't know. The one, I feel like the one shouldn't be first. The one is a, a special bill. A special bill. bill. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's just my opinion, though. So it is. I agree. That's that's the end all be all. The one dollar bill has to be the the most. All important. right, then let's go reverse order. Hundred to the oh, one. Two is last. All right. Love it. All right. Cool. So um, the the general rules are other than you can't use an athlete. Um, you have to pick somebody one from each of the four major sports. And our definition of major sport is baseball, basketball, football, and hockey. 
Um, really? Or no, we did baseball, I mean, football, basketball, and then we said one from either boxing, hockey, or MLS soccer, one from college sports, and then two wild cards. So two from any sport. Free choice, yeah. Pick. All right. All right, so starting with 100, uh, Eric, why don't you start us off? Who did you have oh, on the 100? Man. See, this is this is my guy. This is a guy I really uh, think sums up what makes sports great and why we do sports. Um, okay. I've read a couple of his books. I have a signed document of his framed, hanging on my wall. Um, I think he's the greatest coach of all time. And from the NCAA, I put John Wooden on the $100 bill. Dang. That's um, a good one. I mean, regardless, you know, you, you can look at his record. You know, he won, what, 10 NCAA titles um, with UCLA. He he coached some of the greatest players to come out of the NCAA and go to the NBA. <clears throat> but he was not somebody who was focused on winning. He was focused on doing things well and doing them the right way and doing things with a purpose. He had that uh, definition of success, which was like doing the very best you possibly could um, based on your ability alone, you know, not measuring yourself against others, but measuring yourself against who you were yesterday. Uh, so I put John Wooden on the hundred dollar bill. That's really he's good. he's my Calvin Coolidge of coaches. <laughs> of course he is. Tie your shoes um, properly. He's a, you know he was a true coach's coach, right? Like he he really coached the man, not just the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's that's yeah. something that kind of transcend sports which is which is a really cool way to look yeah, at so it. Yeah, so many life lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's on my 100. That's a good one. Cameron, who'd you have? Yeah, um mine was the exact same guy. Um for yes! similar reasons. Awesome. Let's save some time then. <laughs> I, I, I mean, he's the Yoda of coaches. Um, he's a teacher. Just talk about him. They they talk about him so reverently. They talk about him, "Oh my gosh, he's so great." They're um, their cadence in their voice changes when John when John Wooden comes up. If there was a statue of him, there's not a single soul that would tear that thing down, except for USC people. <laughs> that's very true. Uh, all right, that's those are well, they're the same, so I guess they're both great. But um, to get uh, let, Eric let to guess. praise anybody that's from California is really remarkable. Right, hold on, hold on. I, I did say that. Because he's from Indiana, isn't he? Oh. Yes, yeah. I'm not from California. Okay. So just, I'm... Oh, man. So this I, might be a good time to mention that um, all of the guys that I chose have a connection to California. Oh, good. Great. And and I didn't even have to go on or out on a limb for this. So Because California is so great, right? You don't Exactly. I yeah, just think this I is a great time to, to put a plug in for the greatest state in the union. California requires masks, Cameron. How do you feel about that? Well, wait till you hear this list. It'll blow you away. And I okay. didn't have to reach. I didn't have to go I, out on a limb. All right, well, I'm just for my I'm throwing this up for Jake's cuz I think I know who it is. Okay. Go ahead. I'm just holding it there. Oh, no. It oh. Wasn't. No, not that guy. So, uh, with my list, I I really did try to keep it to just sports commentators. Um, I thought about adding coaches, and I didn't because I thought 
one of you guys would. And so I didn't want like I to me the 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 sports commentators just kind of really caught my attention. And um I just think there's a lot of great personalities out there that have shaped how America views sports um that didn't actually play the game or coach the game. Uh so for my 100, I picked Howard Cosell. Hmm. Um he was the voice of football, uh, of professional football. He was um, left. He was originally a boxing commentator uh, prior to going on the Monday Night Football crew. And then uh, ABC picked him up for Monday Night Football in 1970. He was the voice of Monday Night Football from 70 to 85. Uh, he had so many sayings. One of the first sayings that he kind of coined was he could go all the way, which we all know Chris Berman has stolen <laughs> um, and repeated many times. Uh, he also apparently popularized nachos during a game in 1978. So we all love nachos because of Howard Cosell. Um, and then the uh, something that wasn't football related that I, I found in my research is when John Lennon was killed, Howard Cosell had to deliver that news live um, in 1980 during a game. Um, and, I, and I think why I like Cosell so much is because he was – and, and the whole Monday night football experience is what really vaulted professional football uh, into the dominance that it is in sports today. Uh, you know, in the 60s, um, it was very popular, but it was baseball was still king. And it really wasn't until Monday night football and specifically Howard Cosell came that that baseball really started to kind of get dethroned as America's sport. And replaced by football, um, and so that's why I put him on there. Because uh, interesting, without him, I, I don't think the NFL becomes the juggernaut that it is today. Interesting. It's interesting when I think of Howard Cosell, I think of his interaction with Muhammad Ali. You know, just the mm-hmm. chemistry that those two had. To me, that's the first thing that pops into my mind. But yeah, I mean, that aside, the football contribution is huge. And that's when, the problem with so many of these commentators. They've done so many other sports. Like, nobody's ever just a football guy or a baseball guy. Like, they all do everything. So I had to, like, figure out, like, well, was he more important in ba- uh, in boxing or was he more important in football? And, and so I picked football, but there's certainly an argument to be made that he was just as impactful in boxing, if not more so. You mentioned nachos. Yeah. And this comes to mind. I noticed uh, the dentist I was at the other day. It's from okay. He said he went okay. to ASU, and I'm like, "Oh, that's cool. Forks up, baby." And uh, he said, uh, "You know, what we don't have out here in California. Show me a picture. Cheese crisp. I never thought of it. That's a completely Arizona thing. And they're really good. They're, they don't have they're them in delicious. California. They don't have them anywhere. It's a, it's a Arizona thing. So I had to try to make it myself. Mm. Terrible. <laughs> Terrible. Just didn't work out like the way savage. I wanted to. It's good to know. <laughs> I'm working on it. I'm working on it." Pinterest right. recipes are not working for me. Let's move I mean, on to the 50. It's it's cheese, butter, and tortilla. How hard is it, Eric? I well, don't... to perfect it, you okay. can't do it like right. Mikayos can. Mikayos, okay. if you want to be a sponsor, hit me up. Or Bluckayos, if we can't afford Mikayos. <laughs> Whatever. Just throwing that out there. We're flexible, guys. All right. Um, to the 50. Let's, let's move down to the 50. So, uh, Cameron, start us off. What you have for your 50? For the 50, keeping with my California theme, Dr. Jerry Buss. I had to look this up, what his PhD was in, but it's actually in organic chemistry, believe it or not. Um, oh, I believe Lakers, it. Lakers owner, 
real estate investor, organic <coughs> chemistry expert. Um, you know, for all his great contributions to Southern California, you you think about um, cultural icons, and you think about magic and the 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 glory days of the Showtime Lakers and all of that. But um, you know, a huge huge part of my childhood was watching the Lakers, and that contribution to Southern California just can't be understated. Um, he he's another guy who a lot of people speak with him with such reverence and I don't know if the Lakers are going to be the same um, you know until they get ownership shored up you know obviously they've got LeBron right now and everything but the the near future for the Lakers is um, his daughter is the manager or the uh, owner partner yeah yeah so they bounced around a little bit within the family but Jerry Buss was the one that the players was, you know, really accepted and respected in the, the media, and, and he, he was a real now, the Lakers player. started in Minnesota. Was he the one that moved them to L.A. then? Ooh. Um, I don't think so. I don't think he was responsible for that. He bought the team right before Magic arrived. Okay. So they were really, really struggling, in, in fact, until he bought the team, and that was his first big decision was to draft magic okay okay that's a i mean that's a good one i i think because he made the lakers the lakers the impact that's had on the nba is enormous and on pop culture especially with with magic in the 80s um and then kobe and Shaq in in the in the 2000s i mean that's if they don't succeed or if they kind of just become another Clippers, um, that would be a, a much different NBA landscape. Yeah, I mean, you can make the argument that, you know, the Lakers and the Celtics saved the NBA in the 80s. They were very close to going bankrupt and, and going the route of the ABA. Um, you tell me cocaine did not save the NBA in the 80s? How did it save the NBA? No, it didn't. You're saying it didn't save the NBA? <laughs> No. All right, that's a that's an. All right, moving on. Next one. I don't know how to respond to that. So, Eric, who's your fifty? This was kind of this is one of my free choices. Uh, The Olympics. Bob Costas. Bob, that's a good one. Been the voice of the Olympics for over twenty years, or or I think twenty years worth of Olympics. you know, Bob Costas has kind of been a this presence in sports, but I just always see him telling the uh, all the kind of human interest stories in the Olympics. So that's what I associate him with. I know he's called a bunch of other sports, um, but it's like he is the the voice and the head of the Olympics for the past twenty years, and so yeah. you know, the fifty is kind of a, a bill that's not used too frequently and and uh i don't put the olympics up there with some of the other major sports but it's still a big enough event it's special enough it's kind of unique enough that i think it puts him on the 50 and aside from his choice aside from his political tirades that he sometimes takes um during his uh during his broadcast i think um he's still a, a he's an iconic figure when it comes to sports, especially the Olympics, I would absolutely agree with that. And uh, that's I, I, I 
Bob Costas did not enter my thoughts at all, but now that you say it, it's he has you been. You can a, change your list right now. Do it. You know, I'm I'm already doing it. So, <laughs> and he's one uh, of those rare guys. He looked 30 years old for like 20 years. He only yeah. just now started looking old. Well, once he got the double pink eye in what was it 2012, then then he started <laughs> to see his age. That. <laughs> so oh, that's right. Um, Who you right, got, man, Jake? That, that's a good one. Um, so this one, I went with a boxing guy, um, and it. This I don't is even one know I, boxing guys. I almost yeah, put Joe Rogan well, for MMA, but I'm like, that's too oh easy. Oh, my God. That's awesome. I'm not going to do that. Um, so, yeah, when I had to choose between NHL, MLS, or boxing, I went boxing. And uh, the guy I found, and this is literally just me looking at a list of great boxing commentators, was Gil Clancy. And apparently, he was a boxing commentator throughout the 80s and 90s. Um, but before then, he trained Ali, Frazier, and Foreman. So he was their trainer, and um, if you if you could pick three boxers to train, I mean, those are probably the three you go with um, in the 60s and 70s. So I, I think he had a huge influence on the kind of golden era of boxing as far as training three, you know, literal giants uh, of the sport. And then he was a, a commentator in the 80s and 90s. He actually came out of retirement in the 90s and uh, also trained uh, Oscar De La Hoya, um, he was elected into the Boxing Hall of Fame in 1983. So it, he's just one of those guys. I, I'd i never really heard of him because I'm not a big boxing guy. But um, it you sure seems like... You probably watched more boxing than any of us. I, I did watch some, you know, when I was a kid with my dad. But, um, like, I didn't know who the commentators were. I, I was just watching the, the fights and stuff. Um, so it's kind of cool to see um, kind of this guy had this... This one guy just had this enormous impact on on the sport so when that I was boxing i think of uh michael buffer the ring announcer that said let's get ready to rumble i almost picked him too i was mm. like i was like should i go with buffer and because he and his uh i think it's his son or brother is brian buffer and both those guys are like iconic um yeah but i i almost picked michael buffer um mm. but i i really kind of wanted to stay with that commentator um, vein that I'm running with on this one. So that was my 50. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to lead into my 20. Go for it. All right. So um, this was my NBA pick, and I went with Craig Sager. <laughs> so do I have to add color to that to that bill to show his oh, yeah. suits? Yeah, it has to be <laughs> totally suits. colorized. Yeah. Um, the brightest, so, most flamboyant bill. Well, and here's what I got. Like, I, I struggled with this one because he's I the only really, guy who's gotten Popovich out of his shell. Yeah, he was like, that's the thing. Is like, I, I've I've seen a lot of his clips from his his um, courtside interviews, and like players just love talking to him or love talking. I mean, I know he's passed away now, but like, he's one of those guys where like, as players are going in for home or for halftime, like they're happy to speak with Craig Sager and like, he's just had this way about him. And, and I struggled with it. Cause I was like, who do I want for the NBA? And I, at first I thought Marv Albert, but the more I read about him, I'm like, mm, he's a little too <laughs> salty and I don't want to put a, a criminal on, a, too on the money. Yeah. And, uh, so I didn't go with Marv Albert. And right, then I was like, right 
And then I was like, you know who I love is Bark. I love Barkley and Shaq in their pregame stuff, but they're 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 players, and you know them as players, and you're always going to know them as players. And and so I couldn't say they're more important as commentators than they are players. Um, but then I thought about Craig Sager. I'm like, this is a guy that everybody knew who he was, and it seemed like everybody loved him. And I think that's. Um, I know he's probably not the most important person in the NBA, but I think he's he was uh, truly a unique guy in yeah. that um, in how he approached his job, and obviously the jackets alone make him at least noteworthy. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think all the players, like you said, Jake, genuinely enjoyed watching him. And I remember when he got cancer, like all the players took the time to say, "Hey, you know, we're praying for you." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you were rooting for you and everything. And you could tell that that bond that he had with the players was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Yeah. So that that's, that's, I know if it was a head to head contest, I don't think he'd win for my NBA pick, but, uh, I just really liked him as a person. Um, so Cameron or Eric, you got, who's on your 20? Um, you know, the 20 is kind of that every man bill. Most people can carry a 20. So it's, pretty widely circulated i just had to throw john madden on there um at least from from my generation i mean he's the voice of monday night football and he was the not the face but the name on all the video games for the past 30 years so um you know he played he coached he commentated um he is in many ways the the kind of the 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 face of the nfl for many people that name just sticks with nfl so and i like you that said on the growing 20. up that's yeah. why it was madden and Summerall. yeah and and, and, and i think like i'm i'm a guy who's I, I enjoy sports but i could never you know um nick and i have a friend who can tell you the scores of every super bowl ever it's like i i was never one of those people that could name the entire uh, offensive line of a team or the all 12 players on an NBA team, except for maybe the Suns one year. Um, but at least for my generation, John Madden comes across as this iconic figure who represents the NFL. Yeah, that's a great one. Who'd you have, Cameron? Um, I, I know this is going to make both of you roll your eyes because you both hate him. But We already did it. <laughs> Pete Carroll. I knew it. Oh, I knew Carol. he was going to say it. Oh, I, I hate mean. him for so many reasons. <laughs> and yet he's a John Wooden guy. Is he? I didn't yeah, know. Yeah, he's like he he's kind of like well, he thinks from what John I understand, Wooden. he's he's from like not obviously not the basketball coaching tree, but he's like he kind of subscribes to the John Wooden philosophy. Right, so, right, 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 right. And, and here, anytime I hear Pete Carroll talk, I'm like, yeah, I, I, I feel you. I know exactly what you're doing as a coach, and I agree with it, but I can't stand you. Yeah. Just like Popovich yeah. or Kobe. Yeah. I, like, I can't stand any of them because they're not on my teams. Right, and, and, and that's, I think, the biggest criticism of, you know, that, that USC – cool you know 
culture or whatever is you know he was really really good and people didn't like him because he wasn't on their team but I like the the rah-rah coach I like the coach that'll put put an arm around a kid and say hey great job and you know we're rooting for you and that kind of thing um because I think we've we've all had those coaches that yell and scream and berate and that kind of thing and that that works at, at on some levels but at the end of the day, you have to build relationships with your players. And Pete Carroll just does that. I mean, when they have the camera on him walking around on the sidelines, he's having a great time. The players love him. The players respect him. And, you know, I would have loved to play for a guy like Pete Carroll. Um, aside from all the success that he had, it was just fun to watch him coach. Um, mm-hmm. His players didn't play scared. They played, you know... Kind of fearless dangerously yeah in a good way and and to be at our best we all have to kind of take risks um and he did a good job in inspiring his guys to do that well you know uh i read some of calipari's books calipari's books um kind of about coaching and i think pete carroll did some of that stuff where he would um be the wolf in that he would he would strongly correct a guy pretty fiercely but before the end of the interaction put an arm around him and, and re- remind them you're safe here. I'm, I'm your alpha, but man, I've got your back, mm-hmm. but I'm putting you in your place, but I care for you. And I, and I do get that, that feeling from watching Pete Carroll when he beat my teams numerous <laughs> times. So still irritates yeah. me. The, okay. the coolest um, story from Pete Carroll that I've ever heard is his first year you know, USC was going to Notre Dame and it's a long time rivalry. And, you know, he was trying to build up the program. And what he did is he got there a couple of days early prior to the Saturday game. And he let his players tour the Notre Dame campus and um, talk about all the history and, and, and that rivalry and everything. And his players ended up coming out just, just flat in the game. And he, he, uh, made it his mission from then on he said he learned as a coach and he said i'm never gonna let that happen again it's always about us not them and they're gonna have right. to adjust to us not the other way around and i have that's a john kind of, wooden thing yeah and I've, I've i've done that with my players in the past and and it really is a good reminder for a kid to hear no we're on defense but we're trying to dictate the tempo yeah. as opposed to reacting to what the offense does so yeah. just cool concept i mean it don't worry about the other that. team. It's just a shame that he left USC under that cloud of shame and suspicion. But that's fine. Otherwise, See, uh, you understand their their, their rivalry with Notre Dame goes way back. Do you know what USC used to be called for the Trojans? Mm-mm. The Fighting Methodists. <laughs> okay. Okay. Fun fact. I don't know. I my the, so my partner teacher a few years ago. It's like the USC. Reformation never stopped between yeah, USC well, and Notre it, Dame. It never has. Um, <laughs> and there's no big Lutheran schools to handle that. So, um, no, she was a big USC person. She told me that the Fighting Methodists, and they changed it to the Trojans. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. Fighting Methodist sounds better. Myself. <laughs> okay. Are we out of the ten? We're at ten. All right. Um, Eric, why don't you lead us off on your 10? Okay. Um, I went with the NHL on this one. Okay. Because I couldn't think of anyone MLS that wasn't primarily known as a player. I wasn't going to throw Ian Dark on there. 
because um, I can't throw a foreigner on our money. Um, I went with Get NHL, on. and I ended up with a foreigner, I think. Uh, I put Barry Melrose on the 10. Um, he's the only guy I know from the NHL. He's on ESPN. He's got so slicked hair, right? Yeah, he's got it the slicked back. Haircut. And I'm just like, this is this is what personifies the NHL for me. And I'm sure there's hockey fans out there. Uh, maybe the Canadian. one who watches this that just hates that I said this, but he's all I know about hockey. Um, you know, Wayne Gretzky was a player. He was known as a player. I know he coached, but he was known as a player. I couldn't put him on there. Uh, Barry Mel- Melrose played, but... Uh, when I hear that name and I see him, I'm like, oh, he's going to talk hockey, and I'm actually going to enjoy what I'm listening to. He's going to explain it in a way that I understand it. So yeah, that's uh, a good he's, point. All, he's what I've got for the 10. That's a good one. Okay. I like it. And I, I struggled with either. No, and his fake teeth look amazing. So Are they fake? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All well, those he's hockey, hockey players. players. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, for my 10, let me pull it up here. I went with Lee Corso. So this is my college sports pick. I had Lee Corso. Um, and this is just because just watching him on game day um, do his his picks and then he puts on the, the mascot helmet or head or whatever it is and gets all the crowd riled up. I just think he's unbelievably entertaining to watch. Um, and he gets me excited to watch. Any college football game. like This entire episode is getting me depressed because I haven't seen sports in four months. <laughs> I know. We're jonesing for it. And, and, and like, that's the thing. I, I, I And I saw, you know, he was a coach and he had a good record. and, and But, man, he's just so entertaining to watch. And, um, and then, you know, every time he does his pick and the crowd's behind him and he'll pick the against whatever the crowd has and just eggs him on. And then you got Kirk Herbstreet. You know, busting the gut off to the side, and and uh, he's just super fun to watch. And and I know he might not be, he certainly wasn't the best college coach, uh, college football coach. Um, and I don't know if his picks are always that accurate, but uh, he just brings this kind of vivacity um, that gets you excited. You're like whether or not it's your team, you're excited to watch that game um, because of how much he hypes it up. So uh, that's why Every, everything around that show just hypes up that game. Yeah, and, and I think there's something about this point in history that's making me just yearn for any type of seeing the congregation around sports, and I'm yeah. and just thinking about college game day makes me I don't know if anxious. Well, he isn't makes the word, it but fun. Just, I think I, that's I mean, the thing is he makes fun of it. Watching football fun, and it and I definitely think there's a place. For a lot of the more serious discussions, yeah, in there's sport no drama outside of sport. There's no drama with him. It, it, it but it's is also all just fun. good to watch fun. It's it's good to watch players have fun. You it's want good to your watch coaches team have fun. to host That's what that I like. game. I don't like Pete Carroll, but I do like how much fun he has coaching, and you can see that the team reflects that. And I think Lee Corso, as a commentator, is like this is a guy that's just happy. He's just happy to have his job and do what he does. And I think yeah. that's what I like about him so much. Yeah, Lee Corso is the type of guy that I want to go see an SEC football game live in yes. person because of him. You know, yeah. that's literally a bucket list item for me. I would go see an ACC die. football game if he was there. I would. I would. That's the thing. Any game that he is a part of, like, I want to be at that game because that crowd is going to be jacked up. And I think that's 
just something special. And it's the whole crew. It's not just Lee Corso, but um, uh, he's he's uh, kind of a singular guy. I mean, yeah. that's the um, highlight of the show. His pick is the yeah. highlight of the show every week. So absolutely, I'll watch that, and I won't watch the game sometimes. I just want to see what he picks sometimes. Yeah. Um, uh, who else has to do their ten? Both of you, or uh, I did. I do my ten. Um, okay. My ten dollar bill is Bill Walsh, uh, longtime Forty ers coach. Great. So, um, in the in the history of football, you know, you can't really name a guy that was more influential. Um, his coaching tree, when you look at all of the guys that came from him that were on his staff in the nineties, mm-hmm. um, you know, Bill Holmgren. You know, the the Packers probably don't win those titles. Um, Mike know, Holmgren. Mike Holmgren, yeah. sorry. Um, you know, he was a formidable coach for a lot of years, and there was just name after name after name after name. Well, um, and that's, Ray Rhodes was, was one of his guys. I know he was a Packer yeah. coach for years, too. Well, and that's a good point that you make is when you compare, especially football coaches, you have coaching trees. And Bill Walsh has probably one of the best, if not the best, coaching tree ever. Whereas, like, Bill Belichick has the six rings, but his coaching tree is so-so at best. Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, you know, because Bill Walsh had this philosophy, this West Coast philosophy, and that spread throughout the entire NFL. Um, right. And I think that's something where you can say his impact on the game is greater than a Bill Belichick um, because of how everybody copied him. Mm-hmm. And probably coached the best team ever. You know, the the Niners of the late 80s were, you know, I'd put them up against anybody. Yeah, he won three three Super Bowls. Um, yeah, one of the all time coaches. Yeah, how about you, uh, Eric? You had Melrose, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think we're on to the five. We're moving on to the five. Moving right along. Um, Cameron, why don't you go first? Uh, longtime Lakers commentator Chick Hearn. Um, I looked this up. He didn't miss a game for thirty six years. Like, that Jeez. is unbelievable. It was something like 3,000 games, something like that. He, he did it for 45 years overall and made it all the way through the Shaq and Kobe three-peat Lakers and then and then quit. Um, he coined the term slam dunk, air ball, no harm, no foul. Um, so I, I remember, again, a huge part of my childhood was, was listening to Chick Hearn growing up. There was about three or four different analysts that um, were with him throughout that time, and he always carried those guys. I, I can't stand Stu Lance, never, never could, cannot stand him <laughs> as a, an announcer. And Chick Hearn made Stu Lance tolerable because uh, mm-hmm. he was so good. Okay, that's a good one, uh, Eric. Who'd you have? So we're on the five. I went with yes. NBA as well. Um, again, I think I'm kind of a a product of of kind of the current time or more recent time. Um, and, and I, and I do think things should be kind of refreshed for recent times to be recognizable. Um, while also recognizing the past, but, um, this was kind of tricky for me. I, I wasn't sure what to put. So I put, um, for the NBA, I did put Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley. And I, I said, did. or the entire TNT crew. I don't, I don't mind. I don't, you know, I don't mind, uh, you know, uh, 
Kenny or Eddie? Uh, Kenny and uh, uh, who's the other guy? Yeah, Eddie Johnson. Eddie, oh, Eddie Johnson. And, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, the whole crew is great. Listen, yeah. watching T- I literally just watch them and then turn the game off. Mm-hmm. And, but especially Shaquille O'Neal and Charles Barkley, um, off the court, those two have some of the best quotes in NBA history. And, and, and they're, they're antics. And they're not yeah. malicious antics. They're just like, we're going to mess with you. Um, yeah. But seeing those two on TNT, again, or Ernie Johnson, right? Is yeah. it Ernie or Eddie? It's Ernie. Ernie, yeah. Ernie right. Johnson. It's His Ernie. story is great, by the way. I, I, put the whole, I put all four of them on the $5 bill. Because for the NBA, what they've, you know, on what Tuesday and Thursday nights... Mm-hmm. You know, for just whatever game is televised nationally, and that that crew makes it fun. And uh, watching Shaquille and, and Charles uh, do their whole shtick, whatever it is, is just fun. And uh, so I'll put them on the five for the NBA. That's a good one. And I like mean, I said, I was I was yeah. When you said that, I was deciding, like, well, I'm like, man, I I thought about it, and um, see, that's a good pick. I know Al McCoy, you know, and his whole Shazam thing, but no, these yeah. these guys get my bill. Okay. Um, for me and my five, this is one of my wild cards, and it's wild. Uh, mean Gene Okerlund. Oh my gosh! Who is you? Gonna, so you have to tell me because I'm I'm out of the loop. I got professional no wrestling. <laughs> mean Gene Okerlund from the WWE. Um, I think, uh, and and I was, I was torn between him and Jerry the King Lawler. I mean, it was a tough call between those two. Um, but he joined the AWA in 1970 to 84. Uh, then he joined the WWF in 84 to 93. He was there um, with Hulk Hogan during his prime, um, during WrestleMania. And then uh, he left and went to the WCW, popularized that as a, as a ringside commentator. And then... Uh, WWE again from 2001 to 2018. Um, he was inducted in the Hall of Fame in 2006, uh, the same year Hulk Hogan was. So I just, when I was in high school, they had uh, Monday Night Raw, and uh, I would watch that all the time. Um, and then they had the WCW on there as well. Uh, I think it was Nitro was when it was that. And so I'd watch WCW, and then I'd watch WWF at the time and um, Mean Gene Oakland was one of the commentators and it just the their over the top antics were almost more entertaining to watch than the actual wrestling and uh, I know people like to knock professional wrestling but man it is fun to watch um, and so that's why I picked them I know it's a wild card and I didn't want to stick with just any of the major sports and and wrestling for all it's knocks is, is a pretty fun sport to watch so that's who I had for my five. I was I was watching Eric that whole time because he had a snide <laughs> remark on the tip of his tongue for that I know. entire thing. And he, I know he, he did. did a good job of holding it in. No, that's listen, why I kept, I've, I've that's why some, I kept talking. I've seen I some didn't ads give him for, a moment. What's the the Friday night that they the the Friday night wrestling thing they've got recently? Well, and and here's here's the well, little can window. I finish? No, because no, I've seen. <laughs> I've seen the ads, and every once in a while, I'm like, "Hey!" And I look to my wife, and I'm like, 
what do you think? You, you think our boys would like that? And she's like, you know, the three-year-old is jumping off the couch with his arms up in the air, tackling the, yeah. the seven-year-old. So can we it. not? You mock it, but who can hasn't we? wanted to jump off the top rope, right? Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. And and here's a window into the world of Jake. I was not a very popular kid in middle school or high school, and so wrestling was my literal escape. I went there because nobody invited me to parties. Uh, I didn't didn't get asked to go out to prom, so don't let the chiseled jaw fool you, it was, ladies. It was you me, were you were supposed Jean. to ask the girls to this, prom, Jake. My head was the same size from about the age of six. So it's always been this big. And so I've had to grow into it. It's been a rough 38 years. Hey, Cameron, so how I many proms did you there. go to? How many proms did I go to? Yeah. Uh, junior and senior. Jake? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> one. I made it to one. Okay. Yeah, and you're going to show the picture? You're going to put Wait, that did picture I go to of three? the prom no, I didn't king? Go to three. I was prom king, yeah. I know. Oh my yeah. god. That's gonna I've float up. He's gonna put cl- his own face on the money is what's yeah, gonna happen. No, that was... <laughs> All right. All the bills just have my face. Shame moving on promotion there. Shame moving moving on. We're on to the one now. No. Twos, oh yeah, the two's last. Twos mm-hmm. are gonna be our, our Munson. Um All right, so for the one uh I'll go. And uh this is totally a homer pick. Uh but I picked Bob Euchre for my one. Um, Mr. Baseball. He did play um, in 1962 to I think 1967 for the at the time Milwaukee Braves. He did win a World Series in 64 for the Cardinals, but uh, that's about the end of his highlights. He had a 200 career batting average, so not great. Uh, his one highlight as an actual player is that he hit a home run off Sandy Koufax, which he joked is what was going to keep Koufax out of the hall. Um, so that, that's did it that's work? Big, that's a good line right there. No, no, that's his big baseball claim to fame is that he hit a homer off Koufax. Um, but he's been the Brewers announcer since 1971. This is this season um, in 2020 will be his 50th season as the Brewers announcer. Um, he was he's also still at critic- it. Yeah. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Obviously, he. Uh, was in the Tour de Force trilogy Major League um, for all three movies. So um, as Harry Doyle, the announcer for the hapless Cleveland Indians. Uh, hapless. He was on the Hap- <laughs> crit- less. critically acclaimed show Mr. Belvedere um, in the 80s. And then he was dubbed Mr. Baseball. He's a five-time Wisconsin Sportscaster of the Year, which may not sound like much to big California Cameron over there. Um <laughs> Uh, and he was elected to the National Radio Hall of Fame in 2001. And, and, and I think the thing I just like about him is uh, he's another one of those guys that's just so happy. Like, you listen to him when he does the radio play-by-play, and it's just like, this is a guy that loves baseball, and he just loves what he's doing. And I was just talking to my Uncle Mike about it just the other day um, and how we're excited for baseball to come back. And Uncle Mike says, yeah, I, I, I always listen to the radio broadcast because he goes – you know, Euchre may say the same story um, that he said over and over again over the past 50 years. He goes, but somehow you'll still want to listen to him tell that story. And uh, yeah. and I think you know, that's a I, really great thing. When I was uh, kind of researching some of this stuff, I came across some some announcers, and one of them was a baseball announcer. I can't remember who it was. But basically they said, yeah, it's like it's like listening to your grandfather. Tell a story mm-hmm. that you've heard 15 times. 
but you still want to hear it exactly. because it's your grandfather telling the story. And I, that just you telling me that kind of reminds me of that particular story. Yeah. So I, I, I think, and, and to me, I mean, obviously as a, a guy from Wisconsin, I love him because he's, he's the brewer's guy, but he's one of those few radio guys that somehow is known nationally. Everybody knows who he is just, you know, kind of like, um, the Vin, Vin Scully guy for the Dodgers. And, and I think that kind of transcends the sport, which I think is um, why I put him on my one. Yeah. Um, Cam- Cameron, you want to go? Yeah, speaking of Vin Scully. Um, he's, Vin Scully. He is so... He, he's a cultural icon. I mean, he is way bigger than just baseball. Um, he... He's been a broadcaster, or he was a broadcaster, for 67 years. He started in 1950, and he didn't retire till 2016. Um, yeah. He was in his late 80s when he did his last game. Um, you know, just... he's My experience of, of listening to him is when he was calling a game, you knew immediately the player's... Uh, mother's name what round he was drafted in his dog's name his favorite sandwich um mm-hmm. you know superstitions prior to the game and and he just knew all of these things and it was just so conversational um you could sit down and just listen to him and the game was almost secondary you know the game was happening in the background as you and Ben Scully were having a conversation and he was just telling story after story and he and he covered everything that happened on the field but just so much more stories wise i don't i don't think that there's anybody that did did it even close to him well and and i think what you're saying and and i i totally agree and i think that's something that's unique about baseball is baseball doesn't have all the high action of football there's so much time between plays you know and, and as and as the players are you know the pitch is winding up and then Vince Scully's telling the story, and then they're like, "Oh, and that's a ball one and zero." And then he can, keeps going with the story. Yeah. So you, you're you're kind of getting um, entranced by this story, also hearing the the action of the game, and it's kind of a so I'm, a unique I'm, thing. I, and, this and is even when the go ahead, Eric. Sorry, th- this is no secret. I'm I'm not a fan of baseball. I'm not like mm-hmm. a big fan of baseball, but the sound of baseball, the sound of of the play, you know, you know, maybe the bat hitting the ball, mm-hmm. the cheers of the fans, but overlaid those things overlaid by the announcer kind of it's the one thing I've kind of really missed this summer as we've as we've kind of had this quarantine and we've gone into summer, I've missed hearing some of the NBA playoff and NBA finals sounds, but also the sounds of baseball. Yeah. And I, and I think what you're talking about with that kind of like commentary and storytelling that happens between plays, while I'm not a huge fan of the game of baseball and and all the stuff that goes on with baseball, the sound of baseball, I I miss it. I miss it. And if, and if and if the major leagues would get their act together and get to market quick, they could they could beat out the NBA very easily. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's a good call. So I, I, you know, the sound of it, and I, I've listened to a little bit of uh, baseball on the radio. I've missed, listened to more NBA than I have baseball, but the sound of these sports, I, I do miss it. 
and mm-hmm. it's 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 just this weird absence that I have when I when I come in from outside and I don't hear the game on the TV or I don't hear it. Um, so I think when you talk about the yeah. storytelling, it's it's something that's just kind of missing from the atmosphere right now. It is. And I think it's just a lost art in general um, beyond sports. Um, all of us are teachers, and so much of teaching is just being able to tell a story. History mm-hmm. is a story. Um, and, yeah, there's facts and figures and numbers, and especially in baseball, there's so many things going on. You can measure everything. Um, but that's not what baseball is about. Baseball is about the stories and you know, a great player is great because of your memory of him, not that he hit 522 home runs. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, and I I think it's interesting that you and I both had baseball announcers as their one, like they're, they have this kind of special, the great ones have this kind of special place, um, in our, in our psyche. Uh, Eric, that leaves us with you on the one. So the one kind of like the 20 is an everyman bill, it's it's in everyone's wallet. So I I, I had another NCAA pick, okay. and um, I I could have put him on the two, but I put someone else on the two. Okay, <laughs> and uh, he's he embodies what many of us feel while watching sports. Um, when most people in his position will obviously demonstrate more self control, Bobby Knight. Oh, he is. He's. <laughs> he's Good what call. most people would do if they were, if they were suddenly thrust into the position of coaching a college basketball team, and something didn't go their way, they would all throw a chair. Like all of us, if we were in that position, we just like, we'd all throw a chair, wouldn't we? Yeah. So. That's on the one. That's a good one. And yeah, and, the sweater will be red and, on that one dollar bill. Oh, it has to be. And you know what? Best. He he was a he was a color commentator for uh, Big Ten basketball for a while there. Obviously, after he was unceremoniously dumped <laughs> by Indiana, um, and he was really entertaining to listen to as a commentator. He because he knew basketball in and out, and uh, and so he was not a great coach. Actually, a very good player too in college. Um, and then he was also a very good announcer um, when he was doing Big Ten games. I think it's cool about Bobby Knight, um, kind of taking a tangent, but he said something in the um, Jordan documentary that I thought was cool. He said in 1984 in the Olympics, before Jordan even started in the NBA, he said, this is the best player I've ever seen. Hard stop. Hmm. And so, at that time, Bobby Knight was the best coach in the country. Right. Like he, right. he would know... And it, it's cool to hear that he saw greatness in a 21-year-old Michael Jordan saying that this is the best player I've ever seen, period, and yeah. who's been around that much. That's awesome. Um, all right, well, that leaves us with the two. Who wants to go first? Who's our Who's our Munson for, for your I'll two? I'll go. I'll go. If we're sticking okay. with the Munsons... Um... You know, I feel bad that I didn't put anyone for Major League Baseball anywhere else. Um, because, like I said, I'm not a big baseball guy. But uh, let's throw Pete Rose on the $2 bill. <laughs> okay. <laughs> not a bad pick. Yeah, now, now, he see, was a, lot a player. Of people, a lot he's of people, always been known as a player. But but, but man, what he Munson. did as a manager yeah. is a big Munson move. And, and I don't, like I said, 
I'm not a baseball guy. Um, a lot of sports history are things that I don't really pay too close attention to, but the the scandal he had with the betting, um, the fact that he can't get into the Baseball Hall of Fame, let's put him on the $2 bill. Um, mm-hmm. And and again, there's part of me that's like, you know what? Go ahead and throw him on the, in the uh, the Hall of Fame. Like what he did, at least he was betting on his own team. Um, yeah. But uh, I just, you know, it came to baseball. I, I couldn't come up with another name. So that's Pete a good Rose. one. Mm-hmm. All right, Cameron, who'd you have on your two? Um, this is another wild card pick. So I, I realize he was um, a player and had a lot of success as a player, um, but. Also, sticking with the California theme, a lot of people don't realize this. There are so, California Munsons, huh? So, <laughs> <laughs> well, not this guy. Yeah, not opposite. No, but, um, Matt Tillman, hero, not a Munson. Let's right, Bill It's a wild card pick, but but Pat Tillman, I didn't realize this until I looked Pat it up. But he's actually from San Jose. Um, obviously went to ASU. Obviously was a defensive player of the year. Pac-10 defensive player. Played of the year. for the obviously Cardinals. An All-Pro. So he's um, an Arizona guy. But he was born and and raised in the great state of California. So you know when I think of patriotism, and, <laughs> you know I, I think oh of gosh. California. <laughs> the, the statue of him is in Arizona, is in Glendale. No, he's okay. a if it hasn't been pick. torn down already. He's yeah, a fine pick. I, I realize, yeah, he, he All right. was um, famous because of the okay. player, but he did amazing things. No, he was. I mean, he's known as a player, but um, I, can, and yeah. I guess that's our two is we can put players in because mine's a player too. But um, I can remember the day that I heard that he had been killed. Hmm. I remember it? that day. Yeah, 2003? Yeah. I was in Concordia. I was at the, I was was at the Falcon's two, Nest. I thought it was 2004. Because I'm almost, almost certain I had already graduated, and I was working at Walgreens. Mm. No, I, I'm not. But, sure. um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I remember, man, that, that was weird. That was weird to hear that. It was weird, to, it was weird because I remember when he made the announcement that he was going to join the Army and, and give up this lucrative contract um, because it's kind of unheard of today nobody no professional athlete does that anymore back in the you know 40s in world war 2004 you're right you're right everybody did it but okay 2004 so i was uh yeah i had graduated already but the whole thing was a surreal experience with with him saying no it's more important that i go fight for my country and then he then the news came that he died in service to his country and it was uh yeah it was just a he was a kind of a cut above kind of guy so I would not put that in the category of Munson's then. No, but he is the kind of guy that you'd want on currency somewhere. Yeah. Um, that leaves mine, and unfortunately I have to follow up Pat Tillman with this guy, but here we are. Um, Booger <laughs> Thanks, McFarland. Thanks, Cameron. So, Who's that again? Booger. Booger McFarland, who is <laughs> the Monday yeah. night color commentator for Monday Night Football. He's only been doing it for a couple of years. Uh, as the the guy in the booth, and I just when Eric when you said Bobby Knight was like if a if one of us was expected to coach a college basketball team, this is how we'd react. I think 
This, if someone said, "Hey, Jake, you're going to go be in the booth on Monday Night Football," this is how I would do it. And he's always got all these mistakes. He says things like he's always putting his foot in his mouth. Um, he's got. I got this one quote from. Well, I got a couple, but one where he's saying, "My mama told me I'm going to town. Don't touch the trash in the backyard because we used to burn our trash. So I'm going to do mama a favor. I light the trash and I go back in to watch the Ohio State and LSU play." And since and something said, you know what? At halftime, go check on it. And I go and check on it, and the fire is about eight feet from the back door. Like that's just a story he told during a national game. <laughs> and then, an- <laughs> and then another one was, and this one is going to affect you, Eric. No. <laughs> this was um, he he routinely makes mistakes in his color commentary. McFarland had another bad mistake on Monday night's Viking Seahawks game. This one came after Minnesota had a wild pick six in the second quarter. Um, a few bounces went their way, and safety Anthony Harris ran it back for a touchdown. McFarland went on to say, these are the types of plays that historically have gone against the Vikings. The Minneapolis miracle. Plays like that are fluke plays that went against them. Um, whereas, obviously, the Minneapolis miracle is probably the greatest play Minnesota's ever had. Oh, my gosh. Um, and not a play that went against them. But I, that's I just may how drop he is. that into this episode so we can see it again. <laughs> and he... I, I just like him because he's so genuine. He just says whatever's <laughs> thinking. And I know people rag on him like, oh, he's always making all these mistakes. And he's always like, like, yeah, but he's just a dude talking about football. Like, none of us are perfect. None What's of more American it, than that? Yeah. He's just a dude. <laughs> like, he's he's just a guy that's saying whatever he wants to say. And he's having fun doing it. And, like, I guess that's kind of this thread that I saw in a lot of the guys I picked. They're like, they're just guys that enjoy the game they just love what they're doing and they love that they get to talk about this game and have so much fun doing it and uh so booger mcfarland is my two yeah he makes some mistakes but he's the kind of guy you want it you want to have at a barbecue oh man that's a good so there you go um all right well that wraps up this uh episode of dad bod history uh refacing our currency uh, if you guys have any suggestions on future topics, let us know, and we will happily talk yeah, about them. Drop that in the comments. Hit like and subscribe. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank you again, Cameron, for for joining us. Uh, we always appreciate your insight, as California based as it is. But uh, it was great <laughs> having you. Thanks, guys. Hope to come back again soon. All right. Thank you. Have a great night. <laughs>